HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by the Dairy Farm Families of Wisconsin, the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board. Did you know that today Wisconsin produces more than 600 varieties, types, and styles of American, international style, and original cheese that win more awards than any other state or country? To learn more, visit eatwisconsincheese.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Welcome to Love Bites, coming at you from Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Jacqueline Raposo. Today is Monday, February 6th, and my darling friend and co-host Ben is still kicking ass in Portland, Oregon at the center stage there. So I'm recording our final Power Couples episode today in January by myself. But out of the hundreds of chefs I've worked with, the ones in the studio with me today are in the very small circle of those I consider true friends. So I'm particularly excited they're closing out the series with us. Let me tell you a bit about them. Chef Floyd and Barca Cardoz are the husband and wife team behind Powala, a restaurant here in New York City where their Indian heritage is cooked up through Floyd's modern American lens. They bring celebrity chef chops to the future generations of American scientists through the Young Scientists Foundation, where Floyd is the vice chairman of the board and Barca the vice president of development. And they are the parents of Peter and Justin, two University of Connecticut students, which is where Ben and I both went to college and fell in friend love. So we've bonded over Husky Pride, our Portuguese Indian go and roots, and that to all my chronic illness allergy eaters out there, I've never felt safer than at their professional and personal tables. Floyd and Barca, welcome to Heritage Radio in Bushwick, Brooklyn, and to Love Bites. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you for having us. So now it might get a little weird because in the conversations we've had about 
uh, food and friends and life and love and everything. We've never actually broken down bits and pieces of your relationship, and that's basically what I'm going to ask you to do for the next 40 minutes. So why don't uh, you take me back to the beginning? How did you two meet? We first met in Bombay in 1981. That was the year that I was born, 1981. <laughs> making you feel old. Uh, we went to hospitality school together, and I remember her because she was wearing a white top and jeans, blue jeans, Ooh. standing Classic. out on the balcony. Aw. And Varka, what do you remember? Um, remember seeing Floyd with a group of other guys. They were called the FSM Gang. Um, there were six of them, and he was one of the quietest, but had, like you say, still waters run deep. And there was always um, a friend that I could go to, um, someone that was always, always consistently kind and uh, sweet. And that attracted me to be friends with him. So what how the hell ha happened to me? <laughs> I was kind. Oh my goodness! You are still one of the kindest people I know, Floyd. How did uh, so? How did how did friendship shift to romance? How did what was your first date? Who asked who out, and what was that date? I think I asked her out. It was in Atlanta. In Atlanta, yeah. Wait, Fast Georgia forward to nineteen eighty-eight. Wait, so for seven years you were just friends when you were in India in school. Yeah. And then I know, and then to, to sum up readers, there, was, there were international moves and there were other friends and they both came, you came to America. You, so you re-ran into each other and... We bumped into each other purely by luck because her sister's or best fate. friend... Yeah, <gasps> her sister's best friend was my, my elder sister's best friend and we were neighbors in Bombay. And when she came and said, oh, there's another kid that's in town. His name is Floyd. And that's how she called me up one day and said, it's your girlfriend. And I was like, oh, shit, who can this be? <laughs> you had no clue who I was, and he kept playing along because he didn't want to take names and get screwed. Oh, yay, the first awe of the day. We've also been calling this the awe series. Um, so you, so wait, 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 wait. So when you first asked her out, was it because you were, because you didn't remember who she was and you wanted to be sure? No, or no, wait no, this second. was, we asked each other, I asked her out like a year later. Oh, okay. Uh, but, uh, I, I, you know, fast forward to... Uh, like 15 years later, I go visit her father, and he pulls out a letter I wrote to her uh, when I was, I don't know where I was, but it was one of the most flirty letters that I'd ever written. Wait, where, what period had you written that this letter? This was in between us meeting up in the United States and us finishing school. So you did remember, all right, so you did remember who she was. What did you... What, no, no, I did remember was, who she was, but I didn't know who it was on the phone. Oh, okay. All right, all right, all right. So we've got to piece yeah. together. We, yeah. we, need, we need one chunky story to piece all this together. So what were you guys feeling about each other? What were you... Tell me about what you remembered. Why was there this attraction between you that sort of transpired, you know, and, and crossed countries and, and years and time... Uh, I'd say mentally we were on the same level. What does that mean? We connected on a lot of things. We were two foreigners in a strange land uh, who had come as immigrants with nothing in our pockets. And we just wanted to make it big. And we were going through the same things at the same time. What were you doing in Atlanta at the time, both of you? We just went on a trip. Yeah, uh, we went with some friends, with some on, friends a trip. on a trip. Where were you living at the time? In New York. Oh, so we you lived, were both living we, in New York. She lived in New Jersey. I lived in New York. And you were just happened to be in Atlanta. Yeah. Okay, we this is together. Fate. I love this. We went we, together on a trip with some friends. In and, a car. In, in a car. Um, and 
it was just there was there was an attraction and uh, I think just being in a different place having time together spending time together for three or four days it just made us realize that our friendship that we had started in 1981 was actually more than just a friendship and there was some kind of a comfort level um, there was attraction definitely and so we decided as adults that we were going to give it a try because we were I think we were more afraid of losing that friendship so we didn't want to take chances or in any way jeopardize that because um, when you come here and you're on your own when you find someone that's in your corner you don't want to lose out on that mm. so I think Floyd and I were very conscious of that and we said we're going to give it a try and see if we can start dating and if it works out, and if it doesn't, we had to be very aware of the fact that maybe it's not for us, but we didn't want to give up on the friendship. I love the idea that friendship is what grounds a relationship, a romantic relationship. So tell me about the, those early days of actually falling in love and transferring friendship into love. What do you remember falling in love with each other felt like? How did, how did or what did? How can you not fall I in guess. love with that? Come on. Oh, I agree. Oh. I'm in friend love with Barca, but tell me, I've, I've admitted you know, I love you both, but tell me what falling in, in love with each other felt like. It was, it was uh, there was a lot of fear because we were both different religions and in mm. India that never happened or was not allowed to happen. So, so that, Floyd, you're Catholic. I'm Catholic. She's, she's Hindu. Hindu. I'm Hindu. Yeah. Although she's more Catholic than I am now, but... Um, <laughs> It's, it's, it's always that fear, you know, but it was exciting. It was great to have someone you could count on. Uh, it was great to see someone every day. You know, in between work, I was doing a broken shift. I'd run to see her, and we'd have tea or coffee together. You'd pick me up from Port Authority when I got off the bus every single morning, and we'd walk to this place that did breakfast. We'd have breakfast together, and then he'd walk me to my work and then go back to the restaurant if he had a way to come in in the afternoon when he had his break shift, he'd come in to have a cup of coffee with me. Um, on his days off, he'd make sure he was around to actually get on the bus from Port Authority all the way to Montclair, drop me home, and then take the bus back. Because there was no other way for us to make it work with our schedules and the way we lived. We didn't have transportation. Um, but we made the effort. I think Floyd made more of an effort than I did. Um, and what did and that just work? What did that say to you about, again, about the idea of romance with him, about I had, loving this man? I had never ever been in a relationship where you felt good about yourself, you were safe, and you knew that someone always had your back. Um, there was never there was never a point in that time frame in my life where I felt like I was alone. I still don't. No matter what goes on, he's always got my back. And I don't think you'll get that very often. And when you get it, you better hold on to it. Oh, my heart. And, and Floyd, what... Um, oh, God. And what, and what for you felt... Because especially, we're going to get to this later in the second half of the show about the stresses of the hospitality industry... Mm -hmm. That sounds like a lot of exhaustion of, of adding more time to the beginning of your day and the end of your day and your days off. What felt uh, worse at about this p 
period of falling in love that you wanted to, I'm especially in the series asking people about taking greater risks and about things that Ben and I discuss feeling a little bit lacking on both of our ends in, in relationships nowadays of just, we're a little bit too afraid to take risks with love. So why, what about this period made you want to push yourself even more? It's, it's, it's hard to find friends. It's hard to find good friends, and it's it's hard to find someone you trust a lot. And I did. And um, you you know Barca well, and she is the most selfless person you will ever meet. Amen. Um, and she she does that with everything in her life. It's not only for me and the boys. Uh, <clears throat> it's for the people at the restaurant. It's for people who we know. And it's it's selfless giving and having a friend to do that. Um, you know, if if I had asked her to do the same thing, she would have. Though I wouldn't have valued her more if she did. Then hmm. uh, I have one more question for you about the early days before we switch it up a little bit. Floyd, you had mentioned that there were some impediments because you had different religions. So how how much of a threat was that from your families as far as your romance? Was that something you really had to fight against once your relationship became more serious? I think so. <laughs> Listeners, they're looking at each other, and <laughs> there, was a, there was a bit of a pause there. We were in our mid-20s, and, um, I mean, grown-up adults living on our own, functioning, you know, managing our lives. And then when it came to a relationship, um, my thought process went back to being a child and saying, i got to get permission because I don't want to upset my parents um, I believe that when you marry or you are in a relationship with someone, you're not just in a relationship with the individual, you're in a relationship with the family. And I did not want to get into any kind of a relationship where I wasn't accepted or he wasn't accepted because I knew that would be an impediment to us and going you're both forward. close with your families, correct? Very. Even though yeah. they were both in India. Your, yeah, your were, parents, neither of your parents were in the United States with no. you? Okay. No. They were from two different states. Uh, right. They were two Very different... Very far apart localities. Far apart, you know, brought up in two different households uh, with different... Mindsets. Mindsets and the way they, they think of family and the way they think of everything else. And they and people believed in India that the the, the successful marriages happened when your upbringing is the same you believe in the same things though our core values are the same uh, so that's what we found that our core values were the same we just believed in different gods you know at the end of the day it t- all turns out to be in one thing you just have to be good and and it works out and it did for us we got lucky and how did you end up being able to push beyond that with your families to a point that you felt comfortable getting married <laughs> the day we got married, I was <clears throat> I was so stressed. If you look at my wedding pictures, you could see it on my face because I was waiting for my mom to erupt at any time. And did she? <laughs> no, no, she didn't. No, <laughs> she didn't. Um, before we, before actually, I have one more question because listeners, before the show, they Barca almost started telling us a story, and then Floyd's, and then I said, no, 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 wait, wait, hold it, and then Floyd said, well, ask us about this, and so before we switch it up, Floyd said to ask us a bit. I, I'd like you to tell me, tell tell us about your first fight. I don't remember that. Uh-oh, well, Floyd he does. Does. <laughs> so he has to tell you that story. So if you know me, uh, yes, and that was like the biggest thing for me we ever fought about. We 
it, it hasn't happened again. Oh, now she remembers. <laughs> so it was something happened, and I can't exact. I, I remember the phrase she used. Uh, and when she turned to me and she, in the middle of, of our, a conversation, she turned to me and said, it's only food. Yes, <laughs> I just remember that when he said that. And exactly that's what happened. I said, how can you say that? <laughs> it's my life, my passion. I love food. My whole world revolves around food. How can you tell me something is only food? And then I happened? have learned my lesson. Never again. <laughs> that is the only thing I will remember. About our I fights. remember that's that. Really funny. I remember that. That's really funny. Um, all right. Well, that, that, let's see if we can. Let's see what happens with our next game, and if it leads to fighting or, or, um, or you guys getting closer and, and snoodlier together. I just made up that word. Um, so, listeners, now is the time when we play one of my new favorite game, games, the Oldlywood game. So before the show today, I asked Floyd and Barca five questions about themselves and each other. And right now we are going to see, I was going to say which cuisine reigns supreme, but that really doesn't. It's just something that's stuck in my head that has no relevance here. Um, so uh, five questions about themselves and each other. And we're going to see how well they know each other after how many years now have you been married? 25. 25 years. Oh, that's a very important That's a big one. Congratulations. All right. So let's. Let's see what 25 years has taught you. Question number one. What is your favorite comfort food? Barca. I would say... Oh, wait, wait, wait. Oh, wait. oh my God. I almost ruined it. Oh, jeez. I need more. I need more caffeine. Thank you, David. Oh, you can tell it's been a while since I've, been, I've done this. Barca, what is Floyd's favorite comfort food? I should ask. Phew. Um, I would say fish curry, rice, and some fried fish. Is that correct? Oh, that is correct. Yay, one for Barca. And Floyd, what is Barca's favorite comfort food? Uh, Uh-oh, he looks nervous. Saibaji and rice. Saibaji and rice? Um, I said dal and rice. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> oh, no. Look what I canceled out. Oh, no, he, that's what he was crossing out at the beginning of the show. Technically, it's one zero. Okay, number two, we're going to make Floyd do this one first then. Number two, uh, Floyd, what is Barca's signal for you're in trouble? You're in trouble. That's it. That's it, just the way she says it? Yeah. I don't say anything. I just keep quiet. Uh-oh. He knows there's shit going on. Uh-oh. I don't, I don't think that counts. All right. Barca, what is Floyd's? Um, Floyd won't say anything. He'll just be grouchy and he'll pick on everything <laughs> that's irrelevant. And you know there's something else beneath that that's bothering him. Oh, that is deep. I changed the topic. I think that does that, David. What do you think? What do you think about that? Does no, that technic- that's, that's not. It's that's one, not one. The, okay. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. That doesn't technically count. Okay. Number three. We'll let Barka go first. Um, Barka, what is Floyd's signal for? Let's get it on. He gets silly and starts dancing around me. <gasps> is that true? Sometimes, yeah. Oh, yay! <laughs> and Floyd, what is Barka's? She doesn't have that. <laughs> Barka, I'm shy. She's shy. So she doesn't have... Okay, so that is correct. So, uh, listeners, it's two to one. Barca up. Um, Number four. Let's go Floyd first. Let's see see what he can do. Floyd, what is Barca's favorite alcoholic beverage? Negroni. Correct. Ooh, that's correct. correct. All right. And Barca, what is... Now, Barca, you put down two for this. I did see this, so... Preference first would be single malts. All right, single malts. That's your first one. Let's see. That's correct. Floyd? Yep. Oh, it is correct. Okay. And final question. What is the second one? Martinis. 
Nah, yeah, not that much. But Scott was right. Yeah. So and we're going to give her that one because that's one, the one that she picked first. And um, so last question. It is three to two. Barca, uh, last question. Uh, Barca, what is Floyd's last supper? That'll be a whole banquet. But <laughs> I think if he had to pick one or two dishes, it would be his mom's shakuti and sarpatao. It would be shakuti, right? And your cell ghost. Oh, Aww. wow. That's sweet. Okay. All right, we'll give her that one and Floyd. It would have to contain her mom's mango chutney. <gasps> That's true. That is true. Anything else with that is fine as long as I'm my mom, mom's mango chutney. Oh, well, listeners, the final score is four to three, but I think everybody in the studio is a winner today. What do you think about that, David? Can I get some. Choppy hand clapping. Yay. Oh. Oh, no, the wrong one. Wait, there. Woo, you had it. There we go. Yay. <laughs> All right. So with that, we're going to take a short break to hear a word about our sponsor. Uh, but before we get to that, a reminder that you can find all of our shows archived on iTunes and Stitcher Radio, as well as at www.heritageradionetwork.org. And while you're there, we'd love to have you throw a few dollars Heritage Radios' way. Right now, it's more important than ever to support nonprofit member supported media. Your money goes directly towards helping our tiny and devoted team produce over 30 weekly live shows, plus members only events and special programs. So head to heritageradionetwork.org slash donate, and we will love you forever. We will be right back. Today's program is brought to you by the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board. Wisconsin produces the world's best cheese, period. Why? Lush grasslands, glacial water supply, fourth-generation cheesemakers, combining old-world tradition with the new ideas and highest standards. The very best milk. What do you think of when you think of Wisconsin cheese? For me, I think cheese curds, delicious fresh cheese curds, or deep-fried cheese curds. Cheese curds literally any way, any time, any place. I think about Andy Hatch and Upland's Cheese Company, the operation behind the Pleasant Ridge Reserve cheese that's literally America's most awarded cheese. I think of the deliciously stinky Limburger and its long-storied history. I think about Raleigh's Dumbarton Blue, a perfect blend of English-style cheddar and notes of blue. I think of Emmy Roth's Grand Cru Chirchois, which was named 2016's World Champion at the World Championship Cheese Contest. Wisconsin is like the world champion of cheese, and once you start reading the list of cheeses made in Wisconsin on their website, you can see why. The Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board is a nonprofit organization funded entirely by Wisconsin's dairy farm families. Read more at eatwisconsincheese.com, and as soon as you're done listening to this podcast, eat Wisconsin cheese. It's a no-brainer. And we are back with Barca and Floyd Cardoz. And so listeners, they do run Powalla Restaurant together now, and they did meet in hospitality school. But Barca has not worked the entire time of their relationship directly in the food field with Floyd as our other uh, guests in the series have in one way or, the another, or another. So I'm going to sort of alter some of the questions we've been asking a little bit um, for you both today. But I want to... So the 
the first question that I have is when in the beginning of your relationship, Barker, you do have a wealth of knowledge about how the field works. And you had that from the beginning because of your experience with hospitality uh, school. You are a chef. You know how to cook. It's hysterical watching you guys cook side by side because not only are there religions and styles of cuisine completely different, but also are there cooking techniques and knives. <laughs> And knives, yeah. Actually, let's start with that. Um, I just had, this is, I've not prepared you for this question, but share one thing with our audience because this is, I love watching you guys cook together. It's really funny. Share one thing that, bo- that bothers the shit out of you about the way the other cooks in your kitchen at home, not professionally. Can I go first? Yes, please. Floyd always assumes that he's got 10 porters walking <laughs> behind him cleaning up, and the porter is just me. So I love him cooking, but the cleanup takes a while. Ah. And and Floyd, the knife situation. The knife. <laughs> I, I, you know, you know my set, my separate drawer yes. of knives. That's there's a picture of it in, in my right. book. Right. Yeah. Uh, Flavorwala, but <clears throat> she uses one knife for everything. It's like everything. a paring knife, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it bothers the shit out of me because I think knives are made for different reasons, and and a, a big person about saying you got to use the right knife for the right job. Right. Yeah, I think the last time I was at your house, you actually taught me how to sharpen my knives with a stone sharpener, which I've done to this day. Thank you. And meanwhile, it took Barca a long time to chop vegetables <laughs> with a paring knife. I thought you and were my so friend. Fun. I am your friend. I just found it so charming. It was so endearing. Um, but because I chop even with a chef's knife, I chop at your pace. It's very relaxed and it's very talking and love it. You know, it's just I love watching the two of you cook together because of that sort of the differences of energy it just anyway anyway back to our previously scheduled questions um so at the beginning of your relationship and of your marriage especially when you're thinking about starting a family together what were your concerns about one of you being in the hospitality industry in new york city specifically as a as a chef i i'm selfish so i didn't really think about it hmm um but it did bother me that I had to work <coughs> when the kids were young. You know, um, I was there for holidays. I was there for Christmas, Thanksgiving, uh, for baseball games, for football games, for fencing tournaments. For our listeners, how old are your children now? 24 and 19. Okay. Yeah, it was, it was hard. Um, we didn't... It wasn't even a decision or a discussion because that was what was Floyd's passion. And, I mean, he, a very long time ago, I remember being in college and him telling me somebody's got to take French cuisine and add flavor to it. And I was like, and who's going to do that? And he said, me. I said, make sure I'm around to watch you do that. And fast forward 30 years down the road and he's doing it. So when someone has that passion, they're blessed. And when they're blessed with that, you can't put impediments in their way because they have a purpose to be doing what they're doing. And it's not just cooking. There's, it's way beyond that. So we decided when we first got married, I tried working you know, the hospitality industry, and we realized that if we both did that, we would not have a family life. So I decided to take a back seat, get a regular job that would give me weekends I, off, evenings off. I wouldn't say back seat. I'd say you supported everything I did. And you also 
paid the bills when I was a line cook at Les Benas making 300 bucks gross a week, uh, working 72 hours a week. You know, Barca said, just do it because he's a chef that will teach you. And I, she paid the bills. Uh, I would watch Pete in the morning because I would go for evening shift and I'd wake, be home by 2 o'clock in the morning and then I'd wake up at 7 to be with him. But she supported that passion. In, she was always there to tell me, like, go ahead and do it. We'll figure it out. Even, even when I decided to do Pawala, she says, we'll figure it out. So it's, it's not that I decided that I was going to do it, but if I was alone, I would never have been able to do it. But Barca felt like your career or what you had wanted was taking a backseat and that it became necessity to make the income for your family? Um, what felt like it was being put aside? Yes and no. You know, when you're young and you're in your 20s and you're starting life out, you really, unless you're blessed like Floyd to know exactly what you want to do when you grow up, you're still trying to figure out what you want to be when you grow up. I just felt at that point that I didn't have a choice to figure out what I wanted to be when I grew up. I just had to make sure that I did something that gave me money and gave me the flexibility to be home with my kids when they needed me or when I had to be home. So considering that, I feel like I didn't do what I want to do. But if you ask me today, I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. So it doesn't matter. Um, we're ahead of the game. We're doing something that I feel is going to be more than just a restaurant because it's a feeling and it's it's a place that makes you happy because I walk in there and I feel I'm home. So it was worth the wait. Now, listeners, um, there's information about Pawala on our website, lovebitesradio.com, um, and more on Barca and Floyd there. But this is your first independent restaurant and it's up to you with how much you share about the journey here. But you have a very interesting perspective on the restaurant industry with your type of cuisine and what it took for you and for how the industry itself and the dining scene in New York has changed in order to make Powala a restaurant that could be here today that maybe couldn't 10 or 15 or 20 or 25 years ago when you started out. So how did the dining scene in New York and your work, Floyd, as a chef... How did that, or did it, not how did it, I guess I should say, did that put extra stress, do you feel, on your work as a chef and therefore on maybe your relationship as well as you were sort of coming up in the ranks? I, I know, I'm, I'm very focused on what I want to cook. I know exactly what I want to do. I don't, uh, I'm lucky and blessed where I can create something without having to think or plate it or cook it 15, 20 times. I do it once and I know what, what I want. Uh, you know, I'd say 25 years ago, actually 29 years ago when I came to this country, um, I wasn't uh, wasn't given a chance. I uh, wasn't given a chance because I was Indian. A lot of restaurants didn't want to give me a chance. So my first job had to be in an Indian restaurant. And at that point, I saw that Indian restaurant, the food was nothing close to what it is today or what it could be or what it is in India. And I knew then that, A, either I'd never do Indian food again or I'd do something to change it. And when uh, I was approached by Danny Meyer to do tabla, and this was after I was in Les Penas for a while, uh, he said he wanted an Indian restaurant, and I told him, uh, I'm willing to cook that, but I want to cook it on my terms. Uh, I want to do it with things that 
I want to introduce America to flavors. And not so much now, but in the early 90s, late 90s, people either loved Indian food and flavors or absolutely hated it. And there were more people who hated it than loved it. So I, I don't want to... I don't want people to come in and ask for dishes, and I still don't want people to come in and ask for dishes like chicken tikka masala, which is, A, not Indian, and something that I didn't grow up with, or even, you know, yeah, I do naans in my restaurant, but having naans that, I ate a naan when I was 18 or 19, so people's palates have changed, uh, lucky to be in the United States because they they love flavor, they love, uh, we are, you know, we are pioneers, we want to... Uh, discover new things and we enjoy things very very much in this country and I love that about the United States I love that every immigrant is allowed to come in and do what they want and people are allowed to embrace it uh, no matter what the cuisine is and we got I got that chance you know and I'm still doing things that people have not seen in Indian restaurants before because on my travels in India I find things that are very interesting and very simple and not overly spiced not overly greasy and I think Indian food has changed because the question that you'll ask, people would ask me, where do you go to eat? Indian, I'd say, my home. And I want to bring my home to you, and we do that uh, at Pawala. And listeners, I feel lucky for you that Pawala finally exists because for years when the question has been thrown to me where I eat Indian food, I'd say the best is at Floyd and Barker's house. Um, so, Barker, how, with everything that Floyd just said, how do you feel like that journey specifically has affected your relationship and your family? Uh, we watched, I think my kids would be a party to this answer because it's been a family journey. Um, even though it's been Floyd's individual journey, we he's taken us along for the ride. So we've done highs and lows and new frontiers and just seeing a lot of people accepting what he does, acknowledging what he does. Um, not just his food, but his sheer diligence, hard work, discipline. And for us as a family, um, I always say this, as somebody that was growing up in India, in this business, I never dreamed I would watch Indian food take on the role it takes on today. Um, even these past 20 years of just watching when we first started doing Indian food at Tabla, to seeing it today with the amount of chefs that are doing it and the recognition that's out there, but knowing that it all started with Floyd and his mindset and his decision to say, I am actually going to go the, low, the road less traveled and take a chance. And it's paid off big for all of us to just see that. And how with, so with opening Pawala, you did so much of the work together. Um, what were either, you can take this in any direction you'd like, what were either some greater challenges that opening this restaurant placed upon your relationship or some unexpected triumph, something that you feel brought you closer together by opening your first solo venture? You know what, what I, I really love is like I, I, I told Barker this a few weeks ago. I said, you've got to be my chief people officer because people absolutely love you. And people are seeing what I see in her because she has this um, this character of bringing the warmth out of people and, and embracing them mentally when they, you know you feel safe with her. So for me, that is the best part of it. Uh, she she's I guess she, she can speak for herself, but I'm sure she realizes that I'm so fixed in certain things in the kitchen and in the restaurant that sometimes she gets frustrated with that. 
My biggest thing that's come out of this is, and always had a lot of respect for what Floyd does, but actually being in the restaurant with him pretty much 24-7, watching him function and the amount of work that goes onto it, I think my respect level's gone up a hundredfold. I used to take a lot of things for granted and get upset about a lot of things because I was sitting at home and had no idea what goes on. But now that I'm there and I watch every step of the way that it's it's a challenge, whether it's a small one or a big one, um, it's I think it's changed my mindset of who he is and what he does. Knowing, yes, you know, it's always like when it's your home, you take it for granted. And I'm learning not to take it for granted anymore because I see what it entails and how he gives 110% every day. And I'm physically there to watch it. So there's a lot more respect. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that in my head was always there, but I think it's increased tremendously. I pay you really well. Why am I going to get a salary decrease? (laughs) (laughs) Going to get a little bonus after this show. I hope so. Um, So... You've been married for 25 years, Mm -hmm. and you've seen each other through four or five restaurants at this point. Uh, What what would be your best piece of advice for young couples in the food industry today? So in this series, we've had, um, you know, chef, pastry chef. We've had food writers, editors, chefs. We've had front of house, back of house couples. For young couples today, making the risk as you did to jump into marriage and working together for the rest of their lives. What is the best uh, bit of loving advice you'd want to give to them so that they can make it to their 25th anniversary in their own restaurant one day? Communicate. What does that mean to you? Um, To me, it's more about feelings, expressing your feelings, not taking things for granted, a lot of mutual respect. Um, respecting what the other one brings to the table, not just feeling that it's all about me. It's a team. Um, never forgetting that it's it's a goal or a vision that you've, you've decided or you've envisioned for yourself t- together. So always have a lot of communication and respect. And I think there's always road bumps, no matter what you do in life, whether it's a business or just relationship. Um, but I think talking about it and not looking for the easy way out. Because for us, we've been through a lot. Um, but the good thing that kept us together was realizing that there is no one else coming to save us. We have to save ourselves, and we made the effort to make it work. I'd say uh, the biggest thing that will make you successful in your professional life as well as your personal life is having someone who is supportive of what you do uh, because very often we as uh, chefs find or restaurateurs find someone who's not fully vested in our lifestyle you know you leave and you're gone the whole day and you come back at 11 when they're sleeping if they're not in the business so if you're not vested with me in what I'm doing or supportive of my dreams uh, and you know you are, I've seen more marriages with restaurateurs go by because the husband or the wife didn't support the other one and didn't feel that it was what they wanted them to do. Uh, I'm lucky that Barca does. So if she hadn't learned from it's only food, 
this <laughs> conversation would never have happened. It's not about the, 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 the only food. It's, it's a support of, you know, me and my travels, going for charity events all over the country right. and going into work on a Saturday or working on Thanksgiving or Christmas. Mm. Uh, things that most people take for granted that they're going to be home for. Right. You know? So before I let you go, um, the last question that I have is I would like you to describe what you love the most about your partner. And I'm, and I'm going to hold you to this in only three words. You don't get to clarify. You don't get to explain afterwards. So it can be three words that make up a, f- a phrase or three separate adjectives. But you only get three. Who would like to go first? Floyd would I'm like to first. go first. Selfless. Supporting. And loving. Aww. And Barca. Well, can I use four? No. Because <laughs> it's a sentence. <laughs> okay, since you were the last, per- the last person to say this on the last show of this series, I will give you four. Love in his eyes. Love in his eyes. Yeah. That's very true. That's very loving eyes. Well, my friends, um, thank you so much for coming down to Bushwick, all the way from New Jersey, on this cold January morning. Thank it's been thank a you. joy to have you here. Uh, listeners, you can find Powwala at www.powwala.com, Floyd on Twitter as at Floyd Cardoz, and Barca as at Barca underscore Cardoz. Full info, of course, is on our site, lovebitesready.com. There you can find out about all shows in this series. This is the last of our Power Couple series. Next week for Valentine's Day, I'm giving you a little best of the five shows with some weepy insight from yours truly. Ben and I will be back together live in the studio very soon. But if you miss us, oh, thanks, David. It's been a long absence. I miss him so much. Uh, so if you miss us right now, come play with us on all social media platforms. We are at, at, we are at, at, we are at Love Bites Radio. I am still tweeting and Instagramming for us there. Thank you, as always, to our engineer, David. Our theme song is Give Love by the loveliest Josh Dion. I am Jacqueline Raposo. Love Bites will be back at the same time next week here at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. listening to heritage radio network food radio supported by you for our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events subscribe to our newsletter enter your email at the bottom of our website heritageradionetwork.org connect with us on facebook instagram and twitter at heritage underscore radio heritage radio network is a non-profit organization driving conversations to make the world a better fairer more delicious place And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. 